Hey everybody, it is the Ladies of the Walking Dead Tao podcast. Let's do the premiere. Jill and Sarah Beth, you ladies were there. We we were. Um, <laughs> it was... Um, it was a rainy night it, in LA. I mean, it, uh, Sarah Beth, you go first. So what was the energy I'm, like there? Because we haven't well, seen any rick or michonne in so long were people like what was the energy was it buzzing i i from, from my perspective uh first let me say i did not have a general admission ticket and when i pulled up to the door they greeted me at the car with an umbrella and escorted me in the building and i was like oh my god i feel so fancy <laughs> um like oh you know the name was on the list and everything and when i entered there were a lot of industry folks. Now, I can't tell you who all these people are. I recognize some. I figured some were important, but I didn't know who they were. So I didn't really see mostly a lot of fans at that time. Um, Eventually, I saw like a handful, but I would say it was more industry filled than with fans. Um, That being said, I did see a few cosplayers. They didn't go hard in the paint, though. Like one was kind of a uh, a, a murder coat rig, but he he didn't really go hard with it. Like I've like I've been in the cosplay world, right? So I know what cosplay is really selling. But he, I mean, he was decent. I recognized who he was supposed to be, so I guess there's that. And then uh, there were a couple of zombies. Um, but generally speaking, like you know, they did. You know, they had like the the lighting was done really well, and they had like a lot of big posters, and you could take pictures and whatnot. Um. But it was very chill. It was very chill. And being in that theater room and seeing all the names on the back of the seat, like, oh, there's Lenny and there's Scott and Chandler, et cetera. Um, it felt very cool to be in the in that environment. But would I say it was a buzz with fan excitement? No, because it just wasn't that many fans that was allowed to fit in there. It was less than 300 people. In total, it was this very small theater, so it was intimate. That's the word I would use. Intimate with industry people. But very cool. Sarah, yeah, that's you know, the red think... carpets. What what were your impressions? You know, it was it it was a very different um I mean, first of all, I, I think it's really important to note that this wasn't like the finale event. Um, it was a smaller theater, this was a red carpet premiere. So it wasn't really designed to have a lot of fans in attendance. And I know, um, you know, I know a lot of people showed up trying to get in, but I don't think it was really, it was more industry focused, you know, like, like most red carpet premieres are. So that to me was like the first, you know, the first uh, kind of, I mean, there were so, there were so many people there from AMC, from, um, you know, other actors, uh, you know, influencers to generate buzz. So it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting mix. And uh, yeah, I, I like to Sonia's point, I was, I was on the red carpet and it was, it was interesting. So it was very intimate. And my initial impression was that I think, I think that there may have been some, and, and this is all speculation on my part, but I think that there may have been some last minute changes because of the rain. You know, if, if you're not aware, LA has been having this like this massive 
thousand year rain event that was, I mean, literally while we were on the red carpet, we got a flash flood warning for the area. So um, driving from the theater to the after party was like a whole experience. But, um, you know, but I think when I look at the setup, I think that they probably meant to have an area where fans could watch the red carpet. But because of the rain, they had to move it inside because it was a very small red carpet compared to, um, you know, things I've seen before. I would say it was about maybe 25 to 30 feet, maybe. It, it was not a, a long carpet. Um, and so there weren't a lot of journalists. And um, what I thought was interesting is not all of the journalists had the same um you know, like not all the journalists ended up going to the after party. I got to go to the after party, but not everybody went. So it was, it was a very, you know, I think Jill, I think your use of the word intimate was perfect because it was such a, it was a very small crowd. And I think that was maybe by design. I don't know, but, um, that energy on that carpet, let me tell you, oh my God. Like, so the whole, the whole cast, almost the whole cast was there. There were a couple of people who were missing. But as soon as Andy and Denai got on that carpet, it was insane. But yeah, Andy and Denai's um, energy was just amazing. And um, yeah, it was a great experience for sure. As a Roshoner being there, as being a fan, um, and this industry person who invited me, I am so gracious to this person who I won't say, but let's just say it's an important person who got me a ticket to this hot event. Um, it felt very full circle for me personally, um, as a fanfic writer, as a cosplayer, um, as someone entering this business, um, career wise as well. It was fucking amazing at the after party. Um, it was, it was pretty much all industry people. The food was amazing. Went to, uh, Mezami. I guess some, some little, some restaurant spot. I don't freaking know. Um, and I, I don't know if y'all did like, do people want, want me to list like the kind of foods and stuff they were s- serving? Like, Oh yeah. Know, we want everything. <laughs> deep fried squash blossoms stuffed with delicious cheeses and whatnot and oxtail balls and prime rib and, um, some kind of fancy tuna with chimichurri. I don't know. It was like a whole parade of stuff. And the liquor was strong. I couldn't even drink my drink. They had two specialty cocktails um, for the show. I had to put it back. It was just that strong. And I was already kind of getting tipsy from just the wine. Like, I felt like even the wine was on 10. Um, and by the time I got to deny, I, I may have said something a little goofy. Um, I, bas- I basically thanked her for my kid. I was like, I used to cosplay as you. Then I met another cosplayer. Now I have a baby. So thanks for that. Um, and I was not sober when I said that, but I was sober when I spoke to Andy <laughs> and I thanked him for, um, building the house of the walking dead is specifically what I said. I said, you know, um, you had me in the first five minutes and we are all here because of the work that you did. So thank you for being brilliant. And it was just very important to me, um, as a fan that I expressed that to him, um, Especially like everyone was like, oh, Andy, Andy, you know, pictures, pictures, sign this, sign this. And I just wanted him to know, you know, how I think we all feel and how we all appreciate him and the work that he's done. Um, I was a Rick fan first. Uh, He's the first person to 
you know, get me in with this show. And like I said, he sold me right away. And I had to know what happened to Rick Grimes. And I am so thrilled we can further see what happens on Rick's journey to finding his family. Well, I think that's an important point. And there's there's all these spinoffs and, and they're great, except for Dead City. But I, I'm going to take that. I am the president of the I Hate Negan fan club. So I am always going to bias there. And I I'm not going to apologize for that. However, this is the spinoff we've all been waiting for because The Walking Dead has always been Rick's story. And it just felt like, even though the finale wrapped up so many storylines of these other characters that we love, it never felt complete because we never knew what happened to Rick. And we absolutely cannot finish this journey until we know his story and Michonne's story because they're the core of it all. So we have been waiting a, the longest time for this specific story. It was a bit torturous, the wait. <laughs> it does feel like it's been an extremely long time. And when we were, when we were getting ready to record this, I was going over some things in my head about that, that we've been waiting so long. And it feels even longer because of you know, we went through the pandemic and we went through all these terrible things. And for so many of us, The Walking Dead has been there to get us through terrible things in our lives. And we look to Rick and Michonne and this family that they found as a guidepost for how do we process these horrors that we're living through. And we didn't have that when we went through the pandemic and we went through all these things. So it feels like it has been a really long time since we have reconnected with Rick and Michonne. So it's awesome that they're back and can't wait for everyone to see what we've seen. Mm -hmm. You know, just the announcement and I think the press is like changing Walking Dead rewatches for people. Um, someone said on Twitter the other day how difficult it was to watch certain episodes because there's just no answers about where Rick is and where Michonne is and not even having the answers, but just knowing like we're seeing press and everything, like the answers are coming really soon. They're like, now they can more easily watch like these final episodes and these final seasons with Rick and Michonne. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been the most anticipated piece from the walking dead universe. And there's been a giant hole ever since, Rick was taken in, up in that helicopter. Um, it hasn't been the same. Um, granted, I do enjoy the Daryl Dixon spinoff. It's, I feel like that's its own thing. Um, but I have been waiting for this story specifically for years now. And um, I, I've, from what I've seen, I've seen two thirds of what they have to offer for what I believe is season one of several seasons. That's just my personal belief. I don't know anything. Uh, so that's not a spoiler, um, but uh, I, I I think that they they've done a beautiful job thus far in telling um, this journey home and this presumed journey home and finding family, finding love, and continuing uh, their love story. Um, I did want to say probably before I met all of you on Twitter. Um, from the beginning, I've been saying, like, even going to fear, fear 
um, Tales, World Beyond, Dead City, Daryl Dixon, and now The Ones Who Live, like, to me, they're all very different from each other. And I know a lot of people feel like, oh, it's not possible because, you know, they're just shows within a zombie universe. But when you no, change they're all the, different. Yeah, they're definitely, like, literally all different from each other. And I find it refreshing. And I hate to stack them against each other because they're all a part of this show that changed my world and I'm sure changed so many other people's worlds. But, like, this is just top tier, top tier Walking Dead, top tier TV. Well, it says a lot about the talent that goes into making these shows that they can be so different and yet they still have enough themes in common that we recognize them as part of the same universe. They're all quality. Even Dead City, which obviously I'm not a fan of because <laughs> I'm not a fan of Negan, but I still watched it and there were still things I liked about it. Mm-hmm. So that says that they have put enough creativity and effort into the production to make these shows good enough that they can stand on their own, but also sharing enough elements that we can connect them within the universe. That's not easy to do. And I can't really think of too many other creative properties that have done that. Possibly um, Game of Thrones with House of the Dragon has done that to an extent, but I can't think of too many others that have managed to do that. On this scale, like to have this many? No, I can't think of another show that's... um... I, mean, I guess you could say maybe Law and Order's Law and Order franchise has done a lot of different. Um, That's true. Different shows on the same theme, but like, yeah, SVU is not Law and Order, and I, I think the ones who live is not The Walking Dead, is not Daryl Dixon, um, and the rest. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, I have my favorites. Um, but yeah, it's it's its own thing, and it's uh, I, I think it's cinematic. Although I will say not as cinematic as Daryl, but only because that was filmed in France. Like it's only it's only so much you can do with that. I think I just feel like that feels <laughs> like a huge scale. You know, it just it just feels bigger because it is. It's in France, so I mean, what can you do? But this does feel like its own thing, and it does feel like a grand scale. Daryl Dixon was beautiful. The cinematography yeah. was just stunning. Absolutely. Yeah. As it should yeah. be in France. They that they I filmed this show in New Jersey. So I'm not going <laughs> to. Exactly. <laughs> no, no offense, Jersey people. Uh, just I'm just saying that you're no France. Look, I'm what from there. Think? And I'm like, Jersey is nothing compared to what they yeah. have. <laughs> you know, it it would have felt bigger if they filmed it here in Chicago. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Just just saying. saying. One of the things I loved about Daryl Dixon was watching Daryl, the character that we know, the redneck from Georgia, react to the scale of the history that is available in Europe. Because that would be so overwhelming for him. I'm sure that he had never experienced anything like that. And I felt like we got to see it through his eyes. And even in the ruined condition it was in, it had a sense of like, timelessness to it yeah it was really poignant for that show i think that what they did was perfect for his character and i think 
um, what a lot of the spinoffs did were perfect for the characters that they put in the show. Um, even Dead City in New York City with Maggie and Negan at war, you know. People like to say that New York is full of rude, angry people, so that's a good setting to put them in. Um, throwing hey, down as the resident New Yorker here, I have to object to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said people say, because you know, I was I was a neighbor, and I don't feel that way about New Yorkers. Uh-huh. Um, well, I love I, New York City. <laughs> just I, I will I will say I'll say this one thing about Daryl, and then to bring it back to to Rick. Um, I, I hope that in season two or whatever of, of the Daryl Dixon show that we learn who he used to be because we never actually hear that. I don't think, do we ever find out who Daryl was before the, before the fall? I don't think so. Um, and now that he's in France, I would just like to know what the hell it is that he was doing um, before everything. Just, I'm just, just out of curiosity to get a fuller, picture of who he is or who he's become rather right so in this show what i can say is that we get to see who rick has become how that ties into the mythology of the walking dead without giving anything away but you guys know what i'm talking about um we get a full picture of his of this transitionary period um of isolation pretty much right because this was been eight years seven years for him um and, I, think, and- I think one thing that people are going to be a little surprised by is that rick's been through some shit you know mm-hmm. like people are going to expect him to be the old rick grimes the hard driving right is right and wrong is wrong rick grimes and he has been through enough things especially that um that opener in episode one Mm -hmm. he's been through some stuff he's pulled back a little bit into himself the isolation and being unable to get back to his family and being trapped in this huge army situation that he had no idea existed he's a little different than he was when we left him and that's normal and that's authentic but yeah, we're going to have to uh, go on a bit of a journey with Rick while he rediscovers who he is. A beautiful I would, journey. I would say think about, I would tell the, the listeners to think about Shawshank Redemption. And then I would say think about Michonne when we first met her to where oh. she is now, right? Yeah. yeah. The the PTSD and the isolation um. I think, I think, I think, I feel like it's almost like bookends in a way, right? Yeah, um, I feel like that's a really good comparison. Um, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we're doing this, so that we can bring all these perspectives. I also really like, this is kind of jumping around, but I love the fact that both Denai and Andy are credited as being series creators, as story creators, and then of course, Denai wrote episode four. They're really involved in this in more than just acting. Their Mm -hmm. fingerprints are all over this story, as it should be, because these are their characters. I mean, I know they were created by Kirkman and all that, but I feel like the TV version of these characters is definitely something different. There's there's a lot of hands that went went into this, and um, 
I think ultimately the actors have the final say because you can give them the words, but that portrayal is going to come down to what they put into it, right? So, and I definitely feel that Andy from the beginning was giving things that weren't necessarily on the page. And then Scott was putting things on the page that other people probably wouldn't have wanted on the page. And it's just been this melting pot and evolution of these people. Um, so I, I credit all three of them, um, but I have to give credit to Scott Gimple first for taking what he was seeing, uh, acknowledging it was there, and then building on that. Because I, and then Andy, no, God, and then I have to thank Andy because no one has been more vocal about Rick and Michonne being together on the planet than him. Any interview, uh. TV, podcasts, radio, whatever, red carpets. That was like his, his, that was the hill he was dying on, right? So I, I, um, and then Denai wrote a very beautiful episode and gave Andrew Lincoln a chance to really shine. Uh, and I can't wait for you guys to see it. I, I know we're not supposed to be talking about that right now, but all I can say is that, um, uh, he ripped me up into little teeny tiny pieces, ripped up my arms into teeny tiny pieces, and then put it back together. So that was a team effort, and um, I just think this is a beautiful show, and I can't wait to see the last two episodes and then post um, gifts about it because I can't talk about it. <laughs> so I wanted to get a little bit into how I feel that it's very important to watch World Beyond before this premiere. Really? Just little things that I noticed within the episodes, I feel like will be understood um, and put together a lot more simply by watching at least season two. I got to give a counterpoint. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it. I, I, I'm sure there's things mentioned. In, obviously, there has to be things mentioned in there, but... I personally feel like I've missed anything by not seeing it and just, just watching like I didn't finish fear yet. I'm going to, I only saw the first season of world beyond. Um, I don't think you need to see dead city or Daryl to understand what is happening with. Honestly, I think, I think honestly, if you've never seen any of the shows and you just jumped right into this show um i think you'd have an idea as to what's going on there's this guy who's someplace where he doesn't want to be he can't leave and he misses his family i think i mean that's the that's the bare bones of it if it had been a movie i think it would have worked the same way like i don't think you need to see 10 seasons of the walking dead to understand this show um like like dead city is more involved and in, in, tied into the series, I think. I think Daryl Dixon can stand on its own if you've never seen any, if you don't know anything about Daryl. Do you need to know all of his backstory to jump into Daryl? I don't, I don't personally think so. Uh, and I don't think you need to for this show either. I think it enriches the experience, obviously. How could it not? Seeing their love journey and seeing how important it is. I appreciate that season two of World Beyond gives a lot of backstory into the CRM. But I agree, Jill, you don't need to watch that in order to figure out what's going on. 
But if you want to have more background in who the CRM are and what their ultimate goals are, then it would be good to watch season two of World Beyond because there is a lot of backstory in there. Like if you know, if you watched um, Silas's journey in World Beyond, then you know what those jackets mean, what that kind of work is. Like you have a little more background into how the CRM operates and what their structure is. So it's not necessary, but if you have time and if you're interested in what CRM is, then I would go back and watch season two of World Beyond. I also think that watching Huck's journey gives a lot of insight into the personalities and attitudes and uh, what drives the people, um, the powers that be, if you must, at the CRM. Um, With her basically growing up within the ranks, having a mother in charge over there, watching that journey and why she does a lot of the things that she does will help you um, tolerate the CRM a bit more, possibly. What do you think, Sonia? I think so. And there's also some of Jadis's backstory Mm -hmm. in World Beyond also. So if you want to understand how Jadis goes from garbage lady to being in a position of power within the CRM, that story is all in World Beyond. They don't Mm -hmm. really get into that in this show. I don't think that's a spoiler. That's I I think that's okay. So we got fans to ask us some questions on Twitter that they are dying to have answered. (laughs) First question is from at Grimes Hawthorne. Can you envision this story being told in a movie format? And which format would you pick if y'all had the opportunity to choose? Wait, which format of film? What is that? Yeah, like TV or movie, basically. Oh, God. Um, I was excited for it to be a film. I, it would have had to have been more than one. It would have had to have been several films if they had gone that route, I think. Um, I'm okay with the six episode format which is basically many tv movies but i think um i hope when they do a season two it's more like 10 or 12 eps and not six um but do i think it was enough to have been a cinematic piece yes absolutely especially when you when you look at the first five minutes um and seeing it on the big screen at the premiere it felt different than watching it on my computer or my phone. But seeing it in that surround sound, absolutely it could have been films. I agree. Um, it was absolutely epic enough to be a film, but I like it in the TV format because it's not just action, right? Like there's a good story there too. And I feel like this format on TV allows the development of the story as well as the action so that neither is going to overshadow the other. Um, I've been screaming from the rooftops that if you watch the first three episodes at the same time, it's basically a movie. Like, that's how well done it is. That's how amazing the cinematics are. You're basically watching uh almost three-hour movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, but I do prefer it in episodes. Um, I feel like they're probably rushing through the storylines a bit less because they can take their time episode by episode instead of trying to squeeze it into a two-hour movie. I feel like that's accurate. And I do think, I think there are still some parts that are rushed. Not, I don't want to say rushed, but there, there are parts that are neglected just because there's so much story they're trying to tell. And I feel like that's more a flaw in the six episode yeah. format. If they had a few more episodes in the first season, they'd be able to tell more of that story. But I feel like they had to be very economical with the time they have. So they made some creative decisions that had to leave some story out just because they did. I think I think it should have been probably eight episodes. Um, but generally speaking, I think this format is fine, but I think it would have worked for film as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the music, who's, does anybody know who's composing the music who did the opening credits music? Is it, is it Bear McCreary or someone else to get somebody new? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, I don't know who's doing it now, but, um, I really like the music. Um. I think it's been the best music to date. Um, I like it better than the original show and the spinoffs, frankly. I think they have the best music. That being said, I think Daryl has the best opening credit, like the visuals. Yeah. I think Daryl Dixon has the best visuals, but I think this show has the best music. I would agree with that. Which answers a Midnight 43's question of how is the score for the show? <laughs> Top tier. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, I think it's fantastic, actually. The music is, like, I was pleasantly surprised at hearing some of the songs. Hmm. Um, That's a spoiler. We're not asking that one. (laughs) What was it? Does Rick find out about RJ? They did not follow the instructions. Of course we can't answer that. Right. which elements differentiate the ones who live from the main show? I think we kind of answered it, but if we want to do another round of answering that. Um, I, I mean, think it, I think this show brings it back to, I'd say, think about days gone by. It was very intimate and close to Rick and his feelings and his emotions, right? Obviously, it's an apocalypse and there's zombies or whatever. But I think what made the show so special to start was the drama and the emotional attachments that you have to this character. And this show brings that back. It kind of got lost in the shuffle in the mid to later seasons um, with the saviors and whatnot. And you kind of lost that kind of intimacy that I think built the show. And this series goes back to that. Like, it's like being on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we're in there and we feel what he is feeling. Um, so you have this intimate connection from, from viewer to screen, in my opinion, uh, to the character. Um, I agree. You, you have me sitting here thinking about days gone by and just because of 
the limited amount of characters we had at that time, yeah. we did have more of like an intimate personal relationship with Rick and what was kind of going on in his head because Andrew Lincoln does an amazing job of displaying his feelings on his face. Yeah. Um, and I think the ones who live does a really great job of doing the same thing. And we get to see these characters in a way that we've never seen them before. I think thematically they're tied together because Rick's in the same position now as he was when we first met him, right? He's in this world that is unfamiliar to him. He was sick. He was almost dead. And then he wakes up stuck in this world that he can't escape. His family's gone. His wife and child are somewhere else. He doesn't know how to find them or get back to them. It's really a resetting of the story, but the themes are still a man trying to find his family. Looking ahead, what do you hope the legacy of the spinoff will be among the pantheon of Walking Dead stories? And that is from G Slim 27. The legacy? Um, I guess they're trying to say like, do we think this show is leading us into a wider Walking Dead future, especially based off the legacy of Rick Grimes and him being the the beginning? Well, I won't. I won't call it a reboot, but if one were to look at it that way, I don't think it would be wrong because um, it goes. It's, it's taking us back to the guy who started it all, but in the in a different world and in a different kind of context so not a reboot uh but i also think that this is the series where we'll finally get some fucking nominations man and we'll <laughs> finally get some awards like some not saturn emmys golden globes they need to be up in there i swear to god i'll be so mad <laughs> that doesn't happen you can they just hate to nominate horror because they think that horror doesn't have any drama when horror is always drama it's oh, but if, if it was on HBO, you best believe they had all the nominations, though. Right. Yeah. That's 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 what bothers me. So you can nominate Game of Thrones all day long, which it was not undeserved. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What is the difference besides the network? Uh, AMC needs to do better. Whoever is in charge of making that happen, they need to fix it. Agreed. <laughs> um. Yeah. I've I've also been saying I will be. I don't know. Flabbergasted. That's the, <laughs> That's the yeah. one. Nominated for everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, the last 10 minutes of four. That monologue. Uh, we can't talk about it, but I would talk about it and not talk about it. Um, I keep watching. I keep watching that one specific scene. Something is wrong with me. But Why? it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I don't want to cry that much to watch that one scene over and over and over. But it's so perfect. It's like, it's, it, yeah. it's so, it's so, um, oh, I can't even, I don't even want to use words. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to give any clue as yep. to what is discussed. But let me tell you that the monologue that Andrew Lincoln gives in episode four, written by Deny, obviously, um, he needs to be nominated and win hands down no 
no contest, no nothing. Like, seriously. I will have so much to say when we can talk about the specifics. But yeah, yeah that is the authenticity and the, the the rawness of that monologue is art. It's art in how she wrote it. It's art in how he delivers it. And only someone who truly loves and inhabits that character could do that. She understands that character so well and he embodies that character so well and that's what made that particular monologue so affecting that we're still talking about it and we're still going back and watching it and everybody who's listening will also because it's so it just hits a very universal human note that everybody can relate to and if you don't understand how serious we are when we talk about this moment they're making me think about it and my eyes are tearing up right now. I, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, I would say pure, it's not cinema, but it's pure cinema. Like seriously, it's, uh, it changed me. It's the reason why we look to stories, right? Stories have been, uh, stories have been medicine and informative and they're what people have looked through look to throughout history to tie each other together, to explain the world, to explain ourselves. This storytelling in this show throughout is that kind of storytelling. It's that kind mm -hmm. of reconnecting to what humanity really is that is rare in TV these days. I guess, I don't know if it ever was. And maybe it's always been rare, but it's something we desperately need right now. That sounds really pretentious, but I didn't mean it to sound pretentious. I mean, it's just, the story's that good. Yeah, I didn't think it did. I agreed with everything you said. Where are we Val having questions? Do we have any more questions? Yes, Val Loves the Walking Dead wants to know if the scale is as big as it needs to be. Could have been bigger in Chicago, but... <laughs> 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 I think it was. I do think there were there are some spots where I felt like it maybe could have gone into a little more depth or it could have filled out the story a little more. Um but overall, I mean, I understand that there are time constraints they're working with, so they're trying to do the most they can in the time available. So there were some things that I would have liked to have been done differently, but I don't think that they were a detriment to the show. And I think some of the, the pullback scenes where they're trying to kind of give you an idea of the sheer size of the, the CRM, um, I think they, don't, they do a pretty good job where you, you, you get a very good understanding that they are too large, um, too well-trained, too advanced, you know? Although I'm always going to wonder, how is this enormous army out there and nobody ever had any idea? I guess the people that aren't, you know, traveling around because we're so deep into the apocalypse now, I just feel like people are trying to find homes, so they're tend to stay in one place and I guess when they when they kind of hunker down like that 
especially in an apocalyptic situation, are you really going to be worried so much about who who's where as long as they're not in your little bubble? You know what True. I mean? Your world becomes very small. Shay <laughs> says, how scared should we be? <laughs> scared? That's, uh, that's relative, isn't it? Um, and I, I sat with my friend during the screener and I already knew what was going to happen. She didn't. So it was kind of funny <laughs> seeing her the horror on her face. So I guess I guess uh I guess it depends on where you're at. Uh how horrified you will be at what happens or doesn't happen or may happen. I can't we can't say because I feel like that's a spoiler and also it, it goes to the individual, really, when you think about it. And exactly what we're afraid of at this point. Exactly. Like, you know, a lot of people say the worst, like, death scene we've seen on, on the Walking, the original series is Glenn. And I would say no, that the worst scene for me is Noah. I can't look at that shit ever yep. again. Yeah. I just, it's, <laughs> I have to turn away. I, I can't even, I can, I can rewatch uh, season seven, episode one. Um, it's not necessarily an easy watch, but I can look at it. I can't look at what happens to Noah. It is so horrific and disgusting. And the t- like, I just hate everything about it. Um, so I can't look at that. So I think it goes to each person. There's, there's no way to really know. Because mm-hmm. for me, I, I have I would say It's a horror show. So <laughs> it's always going to be some graphic violence there's always going to be some jump scare moments it's a horror show so thanks (laughs) so the last question um we very much touched on off and on it's just asking how the spinoff pays homage to the original which we did touch on um how is it forging its own identity which we also touched on um without revealing any plot details can you hint at any moments or elements you think will especially resonate with longtime fans well that now that is a tricky question i think because there are longtime fans and then there are fans of rick and michonne right Mm -hmm. um so i think you would one would have to address the fan. I think there's a fandom divide. There are still people to this day who somehow miss the billion breadcrumbs that they left for this pairing from point one to her showing up with baby formula. Gee, there's a strange lady showing up with baby formula. The one thing that we need to keep Judith alive. Okay. Um, they somehow missed every single like clear like how do you miss clear in its entirety how do you miss a whole episode of television um from her interactions with carl uh to her interactions with rick how do you just ignore that i don't know so which fans are we talking about here (laughs) if you're talking about rick and michonne fans i think they'll be very pleased as to what this is if you're talking to a casual walking dead fan who doesn't care one way or the other i still think they'll be very pleased maybe they'll be confused as to what they're saying i don't know but (laughs) i think they'll be overall pleased and you know for the folks who who are detractors i would say just don't even waste your time and don't waste our time talking about it in our spaces that's how i feel so was that too blunt i'm sorry (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you feel how you feel, and no one can tell you not to and feel. I said what way. I said. Exactly. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of people that I'm seeing that are like, oh, I stopped watching The Walking Dead when blah, 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 fill in the blank. And, you know, now they want to come back for the ones who live, which is fine. You know, the more audience, the better. But, you know, they call themselves longtime fans and I disagree. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I think fans will recognize that there is an inevitability about Rick and Michonne finding each other over and over and over. It has happened all throughout the history of the show, like her showing up with the formula or finding them after the governor attacked the prison. There's, they're always going to find their way back to each other one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I think longtime fans will be happy with the way that that inevitability plays out in this circumstance. Yeah, you, you, you know what I think? I think, um, and I would love to see this played out in some shape or form, maybe one day, I don't know. But I feel, in my opinion, Rick and Michonne are like the perfect characters or vehicles for something like a, like a Cloud Atlas, right? I don't know if you guys have seen that movie where yeah. these two soulmates keep fighting each other over lifetimes. That's what this is to me. This is that's what this this is in my estimation. And um their their love cannot be contained or denied as much as some of people would like to. Not gonna happen. So um I just think it's this beautiful tale, this beautiful love story, and then we get to experience it all over again fresh, in a way. Sort of. We'll see. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe they never find each other, guys. I don't know. <laughs> um, for me, I'm also coming from a little bit of a bias, being married to a white man, just like Michonne is. <laughs> so I think that it's um, a lot of representation for certain types of people on this show. Um, whether you are in an interracial relationship or not, whether you're a black woman, whether you're uh, someone who's lost their family, whether you're someone who's looking for their family, there's a lot of things to identify with um, from the characters and from the story within the show. Um, purposely not making it personal because I have enough personal ties to the show I'd rather not get into. <laughs> Um, I know a Rick who was blown off the bridge and he's just never come back. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think if you're a lover of romances and love stories and drama, I think, I think you'll enjoy this show. I do. Are we allowed to say whether or not we'll see murder Rick? Well, I don't know. I mean, we don't know that yet though. Well, I shouldn't say that either. Maybe, maybe we see him right away. Or maybe That's we true. don't see him at all. <laughs> I don't think we should mention that. I, I don't. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave that one alone. Okay. What we, we what we will say is, I think we can say is that we see an evolution of Rick. Mm-hmm. We see a new kind of Rick. I don't think that's um bad to say. No, I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that is. 
I feel like Walking Dead fans go into all the spinoffs expecting flagship. Um, whether it's the show, whether it's the character, whether it's the storyline. And I, I would like for people to prepare and understand this is not flagship Rick. This is evolved Rick. It's definitely Rick in a way that we haven't seen him before. Oh, that is very true. This is a new Rick. This is a new day, a new show, a new Rick. Uh, and you'll just have to watch and see what, what that all means to you, viewers, listeners. <laughs> All right, should we just give a quick sum up of our impressions, our spoiler-free impressions of what's coming in this season, what people can expect from this show? Oh, yeah. Expect drama. <laughs> expect to have your heart ripped out and expect to be sad and also happy and then sad. And and then other emotions that you expect to feel all the emotions, sorrow and joy, whatever. Just feel what you're gonna. That's not helpful at all. <laughs> it's not helpful at all. <laughs> I'm gonna go with expect um, to yell and throw things at your TV. <laughs> um, expect to need a box of tissues. Just one? Several, <laughs> several boxes. One per episode? <laughs> yeah, one per episode. I think one per episode might do you some justice. Um, expect a lot of questions answered. Yeah. I think people can expect the hit of nostalgia that they want but also the freshness and epic new story that we've been promised for all this, all these years while we were waiting. So I don't think people will be disappointed. Yes. Expect it to be worth the wait. For all of of you poor souls who are still waiting, whereas we are not, as we have been feeding on the first four episodes. Um, yes, don't expect to be disappointed. I think even non-Walking Dead fans could just jump right into this show and expect to not be disappointed. I think expect to be surprised, Mm -hmm. despite the few uh, spoilers that I saw uh, before watching Ep 1, I was still shocked by many of the things, all of, well, all of the things that I saw. Um, I was still like surprised as as to what I was watching. So I and I would also say, just avoid spoilers, you guys. Like I don't like how does that serve you here? Like it like like go into it as cold as you can, and just enjoy the mo- like enjoy the moment on screen of what you're seeing because man, they they put in some work, and that should be enjoyed. In full. I don't think you can enjoy it in full if you know what to expect, personally. And we've been waiting for so long. Yeah. Don't now. Yeah, we're in the whole you're in the you're in the end game now. Don't don't read a bunch of spoilers and then 
you know, sit in on this, like, why? Like, well, the thing because- is, too, about spoilers is that they never have any context. So even if you read a spoiler and you, un- you, you might know the, the actual thing that happens, but you won't know why or the context surrounding it or the story yeah. or any of it. So it's really useless because you're not going to understand how it fits into the story or anything else. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta say as someone who used to come from the, the, the Buffy and angel days at the end of season seven, at the series finale of Buffy, when Spike, when Spike makes that incredible sacrifice, I already knew watching it that he was going to be on the next season of Angel. Like how amazing would that <laughs> moment have been as a viewer to not know his ass was coming back or how or when or whatever. And I just could have had that moment of him giving everything literally to the fire, giving himself over. I didn't get to really have that because it's like, oh, okay. I wonder how they're going to bring him back. That's what I was sitting there thinking as opposed to, oh my God. My favorite character just fucking disintegrated and saved the world. What the f- I didn't get to sit with it because of spoilers, right? So don't do it to yourself. Save yourselves and yes. enjoy these six episodes. Favorite. And, you know, we're going to be on Twitter with you when the episodes air. We're going to be in spaces afterward. We're going to have our episode breakdowns. We will get into all of the things with you after. But let yourself have the moment of seeing it cold the first time. As a person that used to get bombarded with spoilers, I'm just going to say, first, I want to piggyback off the Spike thing because Spike was my husband. What? (laughs) I did actually have the experience of not realizing that he was going to be on Angel and just being completely eviscerated by watching that sacrifice on Buffy and so I do understand and I was actually going to say when you read spoilers your mind is watching the episode waiting for the spoiler to come instead of enjoying the episode for what it is yeah yes Um, absolutely. absolutely and you're messing up your own experience essentially especially like Joe said with all the hard work that was put into this and the time and the weight that we've had, you can wait two more weeks. It's not a big deal. (laughs) It'll be worth the wait. Definitely. If you take anything away from this very long, crazy discussion we've had today, it's worth the wait. Definitely. So I guess we will wrap up here. Uh, the very next thing that we will have for you will be our after show discussion. Yes, ladies? Yep. yep. We will get into all of the details of each episode and we will talk about them and break them down and really savor every piece of it because we, like you, are fans first. And we want yes. all those details. We want to talk about every bit of that episode. And don't forget, we love taking questions. We love input from the fans. So if you feel like we missed anything, please let us know. If you have a question that you want to ask us for our next episode, please let us know. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.